your host, Emily. I'm glad you're here. It's episode 17. I feel like the whole podcast has been leading to this week. This week is Frozen versus Tangled. I'd kind of considered starting with Tangled, but realized I was going to need a palate cleanser after watching Frozen, so we're starting with the bad news to get to the good news. A quick reminder that if you want to watch along with me, though, there's a printable copy of the challenge list. And by challenge list, I mean watching 48 animated Disney movies over the course of the summer. That list is available in the show notes or in my newsletter. There's a new issue of the newsletter at justkeepswimming.substack.com every week where I talk about pop culture, life lessons, and whatnot. You can subscribe to make sure you don't miss the conversation and it will just get delivered to your email inbox every Sunday. It's that easy, guys. So story-wise, this this time, there is no time for a story for this one, guys. The list is just too long, and I don't want to keep you forever. And I'm going to warn you that while my opinion surprised me a little bit with Beauty and the Beast, they do not for this one, and it gets a little feisty. I mean, I have apparently taken this movie personally for some unexplained reason, perhaps because I think it is way overhyped, and despite the angelic voice of Idina Menzel, I would live a happy life never hearing let it go again but there's just there's no point beating around the bush let's just get started but first an overly simplified summary of disney's animated feature frozen so these sisters who were very close in childhood grow apart after a tragic magical accident when they are reunited that unexplained magic causes more strife until one runs away from home and the other is forced to chase her across the tundra to make things right you know all things considered i don't i don't think that was too debbie downer-esque i mean that that wasn't it wasn't mean um it wasn't mean-spirited i i made it through the basics of the summary without letting my my feisty nature come out i mean you're gonna see that here in a minute but i i wanted to start us off on a, a relatively happy foot i guess so are you ready for the list let's just dive in <laughs> here we go Number one, now when I heard both the opening song, the kind of chanting that's being done, and then the work song, I got very excited thinking that this was going to be the vibe for the whole movie. I mean, there was a hint, just a hint of sea shanty in it, and I I am a lover of sea shanties. I like the rhythmic beat with a bit of a fiddle in the background, and they use that beat to do their work. Um, that is not what I got. It, I got very disappointed then as the movie continued and and there were no sea shanties. There was no like folky sound to the music. It was just pop music and that that was a bit disappointing. Number two, let's talk about the magic for a sec. This might be a long sec because we'll just see how this goes. And this pertains to the first Frozen only because there is an alternate reality that this movie doesn't do well in the theaters and so there's no sequel. And so hypothetically, the magic and story should stand on its own no problem in this first one. I would disagree that this happens. So magic appears to just exist within this world, right? The king and queen didn't seem to think of it as a threat until the accident. Do people, lay folk, know there is magic? I don't know. The weasel guy, he calls it sorcery, so there seems to be some basis for understanding, some magical foundation. Then you've got the head troll dude, and I'm sorry I don't remember any names, asks if the 
if that's like if it was born or if it was cursed, which again implies magic is a, a known entity. But then if that's the case, why wouldn't they have had some kind of a a magical tutor to help Elsa from the very beginning? And how did the king know to take Anna to the trolls or that there were even trolls to begin with? I mean, that also implies that there's some kind of treaty or understanding in place um, with all these magical, weird little, little creatures. Are we then to believe that no one else knew about them? But then Kristoff didn't seem too alarmed when he came upon the trolls and they basically adopted him. I mean, I know he's a kid, but if a little green troll that looks like a rock and rolls around and then pops up and it's a little creature starts talking to you, I would, I would even think a kid with a good imagination would have some pause in that, would be just a little bit startled. And besides Elsa and the trolls, though, there doesn't appear to be any other magic that permeates its way into the story, this culture, this kingdom. So how did it get there in the first place? If it's lineage, like this is going down through Elsa and Anna's family, how was the family not prepared? And did generations before really hide it from everyone? And what did the mean the king mean when he said, like, this is getting out of hand, when he finds Elsa and Anna after the plane goes awry and Anna gets hurt? I mean, what other shenanigans had they gotten into, and did nobody else see this magic being done? Had he asked her not to use her powers before at that point? There's nothing that points to the idea that he had, that he had or that he had any magic. So what I'm getting at with all of these, this implies and what about this and how could this have been is that this movie magic is illogical and inconsistent. It doesn't make sense. There's zero context, which just makes for poor storytelling. And in my opinion, leads me to the conclusion that Elsa is in fact one of the villains of the story. Did she start as one? No, but she was made into one, which is really sad. And I'm sure that'll come up more here on the list, but... There's no background for this magic. Why does it exist? And the interesting thing, they throw in another Easter egg, right? I mean, you have to have some really good eyes. And I did not see it for myself. I had to see it on like BuzzFeed or somewhere. That Rapunzel from Tangled is at the coronation. Then if that is in a magical universe, is magic only among Disney princesses? <laughs> Why didn't Anna have any powers? Again, zero context for this magic. Where did it come from? Why does Elsa have it? We're not given any of that to help us feel any kind of compassion towards her or um, understanding of why it is so hard for her to control this particular magic. Number three. Is this number three? That one went on long. It is number three. Number three. The king and queen, they are the worst. The worst. A... They didn't ask the head troll dude how to even go about helping Elsa learn to control her powers. B, they just lock her away. I mean, they throw her in the castle, close all the windows, which, why? Why do the windows have to be closed? <laughs> I mean, are people, I mean, I guess they could maybe see snow, but you'd have to be looking pretty close at the windows. And if the gates of the kingdom are closed, how well could they actually see into the windows of the castle? C, they instill a sense of guilt and fear in her for absolutely no reason. It was an accident, and they just go way overboard very quickly. D, it doesn't seem 
like they give Anna any explanation as to why she can no longer play with her sister. I mean, even a made-up one would have been cool. I know they don't want her to know about the magic itself, but they could have come up with something else, like, your sister's really sick, we don't want you to catch it. They could have said something, but we don't see any of that. E. Concealing. Putting that in quotes, concealing, that is not the same as controlling, guys. You have not helped her at all. F, did they not let Anna go outside of the gates either? I mean, why was she stuck in the house? I mean, what was their ultimate plan? How how were they solving this problem? And gee, what on earth did the people of Arendelle think was going on? All of a sudden, the gates are closed and the royal family is hiding away. How could there be any loyalty to their throne when they've just been shut out. I mean, it might not be the best solution, but why not find Elsa some help? And if you're really, really worried about her safety or the safety of others, have her stay somewhere else until things can be straightened out. You still have to rule the kingdom, right? Who's ruling the kingdom? The parents, the parents are horrible. (laughs) Number four, I know, I know I grew up with brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother, which makes me the rotten middle. But I can't imagine sisters are that terribly different than us. I mean, I would assume an older sister doesn't necessarily sit on a younger sister until she can't breathe or put her in the outfield of their makeshift baseball diamond and just try to hit wiffle balls at her. I don't see sisters doing that. But in interaction, I don't know. I don't, I just, maybe they are. I, I don't know. But I find it very hard to believe that Anna isn't bitter and resentful toward Elsa immediately. They haven't talked in years. Years. Anna doesn't know why her sister won't play anymore, but she has to suspect getting locked away has something to do with her. And yet she's immediately super chummy with her at the ball after the coronation. And then once again, without explanation, Elsa turns on her. Only after that does Anna seem resentful. Oh, and then to top it all off, all of it, Elsa tells her to leave, like, get out of here, don't stay then. I wouldn't bounce back from that so quickly. If if a sibling yelled at me to do that, and then they just run off, I would not be chasing after them into the, the frozen world. I mean, maybe after a while when I've cooled down, but it wouldn't be that immediate. Like, oh, I've got to go. It's my fault. I've got to go do it. Especially if all of the sudden my sibling has magical powers, too, that they have never told me about. I'm not sure I would readily believe that there's no way they would hurt me. They kept that kind of a secret for years. Years. Again, guys, years. Who knows what they're capable of at that point? Number six, five. Number five. Hans is too good of an actor. I mean, he's creepily good as an actor. And again, I think this comes down to lazy storytelling. There is nothing in that opening sequence and song that would give you any kind of a hint that he has malicious intent except for the fact that he proposes to a girl after an hour or so, but Anna readily accepted that marriage proposal. So you can, they kind of seem like kindred spirits, but I watch a lot of Hallmark movies too. So that also doesn't seem too odd, I guess. I mean, it would be a hard pass for me, but I'm generally suspicious of people in general and can't really identify with when someone is flirting with me. I have no idea it's happening. So if someone just came up to me and They were being kind of nice and then said, hey, do you want to get married? I'd be like, I don't think so. (laughs) Was there really was there really no royal advisor that could have helped lead the kingdom while both Anna and Elsa were gone? They're just like, yes, here, let's just leave the kingdom to a perfect stranger who has never been here before. 
I, I don't understand that part. Number six. And I, I think I'm getting, I'm getting to a happy part, guys. I promise. Number six, though, how does Elsa get that far away that quickly? So she does her magic at the coronation. Everybody freaks out. She runs outside. And again, they're freaking out. She leaves across the fjord. Everything's freezing. And then the next time you see her, she's halfway up a mountain. But Anna has just left the kingdom and has not been traveling for days. It's the same evening. How did Elsa get so far away so quickly they don't show her flying i i just she's very fast hiker in the snow i know she can probably walk on top of the snow because she's got these magical powers but i just that was was surprising i was like oh how'd she already get up there number seven i don't care what they're going to say that line in the song i don't care what they're going to say well Elsa, you obviously do, because that's a big part of why you kept it secret for so long and then ran away. And what are the limits to Elsa's powers? I'm sorry, guys. We're back on the magic thing. I get controlling the weather. As a magical power, that makes sense to me, basically. But making an ice palace and then changing your clothes and then creating life, where does it end? People, I mean, they're kind of completely justified in fearing her. And she says that she can't control it and that she hasn't used it because she's tried to be a good girl. But how did she know how to do all that? If it's that innate, then getting control of the powers shouldn't be too hard. And I know she hasn't used the powers because they told her to be the good girl. So she hasn't tried to control them maybe in the way she should. But it just all seems too natural in the way they're having her use these powers for that to make sense. And going back to that line, I don't care what they're going to say. She had to have seen, she's up on this mountain, but it's summer. And I know that there can be snow in mountains on, in summer. But she had to have seen, she ran across the fjord. She had to know that it was freezing as she was going because she was running across it. And then she's just like, you know what? That's fine. It's fine. I'm not going back there. That's not my problem. I am free. I'm letting it go. <sighs> How do you not care? You were just in a coronation that made you queen. And I would assume, as you were being raised by these horrible royals, that they taught you at least some introductory lesson on leading a kingdom and taking responsibility for for your people. So why, why would she have not gone back at that part? So if she didn't feel any of that, Elsa could have run away at any moment. Nobody, she could have snuck away in dead of night and no one would have known and Anna then would have been able to take her place if she had no sense of responsibility for her people. But she obviously did and now she's okay with just leaving them in perpetual winter with no access to crops. The fjord frozen, I just like to say the word fjord. There's no fishing and you're just like, ah, screw it, I have let it go. Which is flowing right into number eight. Number eight. Of course, none of it would have happened if she would have just told me her secret. Those are Anna's actual quoted words. Of course, none of it would have happened if she would have just told me her secret. And there, listeners, outside of the faulty magic situation is the crux of my problem with this movie. I actually got into a long conversation with some Disney weirdos about it via messenger during my rewatch. I kept pausing the, mo- the movie, which took me about three and a half hours to actually watch, because I was working through 
all of my frustrations with the storytelling and what I like and don't like about each of the characters, and this point came up. The problem with the movie is that the villains aren't actually the bad guys. Sure, there are bad guys. Weasel is a bad guy. We're going to get to them. They're doing exactly what they do. Hans is a bad guy. But villain A, the horrible king and queen who breed an atmosphere of just fear and guilt, they create a villain. B, Elsa, who for the better part of the movie plays a victim who treats her sister like a child. The whole movie, past the initial accident, could have been avoided by acknowledging her sister as a grown human capable of dealing with hard stuff. Hey, Anna, so it turns out that I have this potentially dangerous power that I'm having kind of a hard time controlling. I know, right? It kind of sucks. That's actually why I've been keeping my distance. It's not you. I just don't want to hurt you. Can we keep this between us until I figure it out? And there you go. And, and that could be a whole plot of the movie, though. Her trying to figure out how to control her powers with the help of her sister instead of creating all of this unneeded drama. But you don't even talk to your sister through the door. That's what gets me. For years, for years, Anna is standing at that door knocking. You could have had this conversation safely with a door between you. You have zero relationship with her, and then you expect her to obey you when she does exactly what someone who is terribly lonely and desperate for human interaction would do. And then you end up flipping out. I mean, ultimate flipping out by nearly destroying an entire kingdom of people. I just don't buy that no one knew about Elsa's powers or that Elsa would even go through with the coronation in that way if she was that scared. Now, as I was in the middle of one of my pauses, I started doing some lazy internet research and I found this article with this quote, which I thought summed it up pretty well. And it said, I quote, Elsa is Frozen's natural villain. She is also its natural hero. But despite this promising setup, she doesn't actually achieve either distinction. She is a lump that sits in the film, too good to do any bad and too stupid to do any good. She is a character in No Man's Land. That is how I feel about Elsa. She's, she has zero character development, really. You don't know her personality until she claims to be letting it go and free, but you're seeing someone with kind of a big chip on their shoulder. I, She has a bit of an attitude in that moment that I don't necessarily think always has to go along with the idea of being yourself and being able to be exactly who you are. You can do that with humility, and she kind of loses that pretty quickly. And I think that's even shown, well, no, that's not fair. Some people just like really fancy clothes. But if I was up on a mountain by myself in the ice palace I just created, I don't think I would create a shiny gown and high heels to wear. But that's, that's also just me. I wear t-shirts and a jeans as often as I can. <laughs> Number nine, I think it's nine. I've lost count. We'll just keep going. Now for something I did like, and there are a few things I like, I promise. But you had to see this episode coming and that it would be, like I said, it's feisty. I just, I've had a hard time containing all of this. Besides Sven, which we'll get to, the absolute best part of this movie is wandering Oaken's trading post and sauna. The way he does jazz hands, the, the, the wonderful gentleman sitting behind the table the way he does jazz hands about the big summer blowout is hilarious and i i'll only briefly mention that something completely far-fetched is the fact that the boots and clothes on a gets that are only 
the only ones available fit perfectly. That's just not how clearance sales work. I have never walked into a clearance sale and they actually had my size. So, and how did Anna pay for the goods? She would have had no reason to have any money with her and left her, left too quickly really to grab any. But the, oh, let's just go back to the gentleman. His yoo-hoo by the guy behind the, oh, it's just perfect. It's perfect. And the family waving from inside the sauna, I just can't. I love the whole scene. I love Kristoff coming in a little cranky and then leaving when he he can't figure out how to haggle with the guy because all of a sudden it's winter in the dead of summer. And I love when Kristoff goes back out and he does his little song with Sven. And number, I think it's 10 now. I don't know. Now for Sven. I mean, the reindeer with the big personality that acts like a dog. He is adorable. One of the most adores, adorable Disney characters and basically perfect as well. I mean, we get to see baby Sven, which is almost too much to look at. And then the way they gave him these very dynamic facial expressions. I mean, it's the best, but best of all, he still acts exactly as a reindeer should. I mean, a reindeer with dog characteristics, kind of, but he doesn't talk. I mean, he runs and he's got his hairy antlers and he's playful, but he acts like an animal and not like a human. And I just really like that. Number 11. And Kristoff, he is a genuinely good dude. I love how he calls on out and is just flabbergasted when she tells him that she got engaged after a day. Finally, someone calling attention to it. Maybe Kristoff needs to be the voice of reason in Hallmark movies too. He just needs to pop up and be like, you're kidding me, right? You've known this guy a week. You are not moving from New York City to live in this podunk town after a week, girlfriend. You've got more going for you. And this might be a spicy Emily take despite my ranting so far, but I might go as far to say as he is my favorite Disney prince-like guy next to Flynn slash Eugene Fitzherbert. I... He's he's that genuinely kind and good, and I, I really appreciate seeing a character like that that has has heart but is flawed. Um, he he can be kind of brusque with Anna at times, understandably so. There's this strange woman telling you that she wants you to take her up a mountain, um, but I just I really like Kristoff. Number twelve. Why do we need Olaf? I think I mentioned this in the Sidekicks episode. If he's in the movie for ridiculous gags and cuteness, I mean, if you think he's cute, we already have that in Sven. I know it's to serve as a connection for Anna and her past with her sister, but did he have to stick around? Why couldn't he, like, pop up and then, like, poof, now he's gone? And how would Olaf, who was just created, know about Summer? And even know enough to sing a whole song about it? Which made me wonder, is Olaf like a Harry Potter horcrux situation? Is a piece of Elsa's soul in him? One, I find that way creepy. And two, what does that say about Elsa's soul that it would create him? Yeah, yeah, I know it's a fond memory from her childhood, but it's a snowman who walks on legs that aren't actually attached to his body and has this annoyingly high-pitched laugh. Uh, He's not my favorite character. He's not my favorite character. And again, we're just looking at the first Frozen. He does summarize the movie really well at the beginning of the second one, but we're not taking that into account today because I just don't want to. Number 13, 
I'm amazed at the dexterity and gracefulness of these characters hiking up the, the giant ice staircase to talk to Elsa. There is zero chance I would have made it even two steps before slipping and falling on my face, but they just are running up the staircase, no problem. And then you have Elsa at the top in high heels just walking around. So number 14. No, no, no. You don't have to apologize. Elsa! Elsa, what does Anna have to apologize for? That's a villain move right there, guys. Still playing the victim and making your sister feel guilty for something that was just clearly not her fault. And then she creates a monster that physically assaults her. And Anna's still like, oh, but it's my sister. No, no, no. Number 15. There's just too many cutesy things in this movie. We have Sven. We're led to believe we, we're supposed to like Olaf. Then you have the trolls. That is just too many, too many cute things. And the troll song and pushy matchmaking and impromptu wedding is off-putting and kind of horrifying. How does Grandpappy know about Elsa's magic either? Has he seen it before? I mean, he's just like, this is ice magic. It's in your heart. More unexplained magic issues in that one scene. And then the trolls are gone after that. They don't come back. Why are the trolls there? It's a lot like Pua in Moana or Hey Hey in Moana. You introduce these characters. It's like an ex, what do they call that? Dos ex machina or whatever it's called. That We're going to put these little things in here that don't really make sense, but it's, it's just to get us to the next thing because we can't figure out another way to do it. It's just really lazy storytelling. Number 16. For someone who can't control her magic, Elsa does a pretty amazing job just protecting herself when the the soldiers arrive with Hans. She's just flinging ice, what are those, crystals or, um, oh my goodness, I've completely, icicles. <laughs> Forgot what things are called. She's just flinging ice everywhere with great accuracy, amazing accuracy. She has the guy up against the wall and there's that really thin, sharp looking piece coming out his throat. How, how can she not control it? That, see, ugh, doesn't make sense. Number 17, and again with Hans, we, we keep going back to the same things. I'm harping on this, I know. There's no hint that he is a bad guy the whole time. They make you believe he's this kind and compassionate actor who really cares about Anna protecting Elsa and the well-being of Arendelle. And I was chatting with Julia, who was on the Sidekicks episode a couple weeks ago, and she mentioned the same and how... As a parent, it was kind of disturbing that this cruelty was kind of hidden the whole time. It, it is kind of like a slap in the face, like, oh, no, you were supposed to be looking over here. I'm the bad guy. I, I, I think that was a poor choice. And finally, number 18. Okay, so Elsa isn't actually the villain of the story. Poor communication skills and Hans totally are, though. And it was very satisfying to watch Anna punch Hans in the face at the end. So that was the list. It was something. It was something, wasn't it? Well, we're just going to dive into some life lessons now. And I kind of think these were the easiest life lessons to come up with after all the movies I've watched because we've talked about most of them in the list. First, if you're scared, anxious, or worried, talk to someone. Keeping things bottled up inside does no one any good and often leads to a lot more drama than you're going to want to deal with in the end. Some of the conversations are going to be hard. I mean, especially if you 
are adverse to confrontation like I am, but it is not fair to the people around you, and it's not definitely not fair to yourself if you're not communicating. So even if it's little pieces, like, hey, I kind of feel like this today, um, even if it's, not, if it's not big secrets, tell someone, someone you trust, let them know what's going on. It doesn't have to be the whole truth either. Either it could just be like, I'm, I'm in a rough spot. I don't really want to talk about it, but I need someone to know that. Then it's, if someone wants to lock you away in a castle with all the windows shut and the gates closed and apparently you don't get to see any other humans, start asking questions. I mean, at any point, seriously, just be like, hey, what's going on? If I am, you know, what, what's the end goal here? Am I ever going to get out? Start asking questions. Next up, being free, being truly yourself doesn't also have to mean separating yourself from the rest of society. This world is too diverse and too weird and awkward and beautiful for any other way to be possible. Be truly who you are and show that to the world. And I promise you that there are going to be people, be people who see you and love you for your authentic self. There's going to be naysayers. There always are. That's a part of this culture right now um, where we're seeing more people being their authentic selves. At the same time, we're seeing people where it's like, you should maybe not be that way because they are actually not being true to themselves. They're being true to what they think they need to be. Um, but keep looking. If you, if you don't have one of those people that's got your back in your immediate circle, keep looking because there are people out there that are going to love you for exactly who you are. And last, maybe don't accept a marriage proposal from someone you've only known for an hour. You know, just, just saying it might not be one of the best life choices out there. <laughs> Final wrap up favorite scene. I know I I wanted to say the sauna host scene, the the big summer blowout scene, but really it's at the very end of the movie and not because the movie's over, but it's at the very end of the movie when Anna is presenting Kristoff with his brand new sleigh or sled. What's the difference between a sleigh and a sled? I don't know the answer to that question. If someone knows the answer to that question, uh, please let me know. I, I think that would be a very interesting thing to keep in my brain for no particular reason. But Anna's got Kristoff's eyes covered, and then you see Sven just walking up to the new sled with this swagger, and there's definitely a bit of a smolder on his face, and it just solidifies in that one moment that next to the sauna host, he is the best part of the movie. I love that reindeer. Favorite song? Oh, I'm not really a fan of any of the songs. How horrible is that? I mean, I know most of them by heart because you can't not know them at this point. They're just everywhere. But it's probably probably Kristoff's song as Sven in the Stables. That one was okay. Funny story. There is one little story. So each summer or most summers, my library shows outdoor movies. It's a fun opportunity for families to come for free to the library or nearby park where we're hosting the event to get to watch the movie. We usually have crafts and games and other things going on. One summer, we decided to host a Frozen sing-along, and we had um, had gotten our hands on some Disney princess outfits, so we had some of our teen volunteers dress as Disney princesses, and little kids could come get their pictures taken with them. And 
my family, my at least my parents, had never seen the movie, but they come and they always they help me set up. They are great library parents, <laughs> and so they're we're all sitting there. I finish my spiel because I'm always the person that gets the microphone, which is a lot of fun at the beginning and shows the cartoons and we get the movie going. And I go to sit with my family, and the songs start. And you're sitting there, and every small child, boy, girl, just everyone, they are all singing the songs at the top of their lungs. And I look over at my father, who is just dying laughing because he was not expecting um, that that type of an experience at the movie night. I mean, these little kids, they they thought they were on that Broadway stage just belting it. It was fantastic. Back to the final wrap-up, though. Uh, my favorite quote... Woohoo, big summer blowout. I can't help it, guys. It just it just kills me. He's so funny. So what do you think of Frozen? Do you totally disagree with me? If this is your favorite Disney movie, I totally and genuinely respect your opinion. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. We each have our favorite, and I think it has been it has been very interesting to watch all of these fairly close back to back um, through the lens of both nostalgic child like Emily who loved the movies growing up and now Emily who I don't even want to say wise <laughs> has has some years on her, some life experiences and how the stories kind of changed for me. This one I know just hit in the wrong time. That it, it's it's a movie, and I say this a lot with books and that kind of thing, and it seems kind of like a, a throwaway line, but I think it's true. This one was not for me. Um, it was not made for me. I, it, maybe it was made for sisters specifically. Maybe it was made for um, the people who kind of feel like the outcast. Not that I never feel like that, but not to that extent. I, I have, I've never really felt like, oh, I'm lost. I don't really know where I belong. Um, I feel awkward all the time, but I've learned to love myself enough to know that it doesn't matter where I am. I can love myself in that place. So it, it, maybe it just, it wasn't for me. And that's totally, that's totally fine. It's fine. If that is your favorite, I'm excited. And I would love to actually talk to you about it. Tell me everything that you love about it that maybe I am not seeing. If you can explain the movie magic, I would love an explanation so much, so much. I almost wish they hadn't done a sequel, but it would have done a prequel. To me, that would have been the better course of action if they had seen some of these these plot holes. And they had to have, right? I don't know. Like, who didn't pick up on some of these things? Maybe, maybe I can figure out a way to be a screener and just be like, no, this doesn't work. <laughs> they probably would stop. Like, no, don't talk to her. She, she just complains a lot. Oh, the thing is, I love these movies, and that hasn't changed. I'm, I'm ready for this summer movie challenge to be over, but I know I will go back and watch all of these movies again, except maybe The Hunchback of Notre Dame, because that one really just turned me off. Um, but I, I do love these movies, and I, and I love, like I've said many a time, going to Disney World and seeing these worlds and this imagination that these storytellers have come to life is pretty fantastic. A quick rundown of what else I've watched. 
everything and anything except animated Disney movies, because <laughs> there's just been a lot that's come out. I mean, the Olympics is going on. I'm glued to my TV from eight to midnight just about every night watching the Olympics. And then I found Behind the Attraction on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't watched that one, you have to check that out. It goes behind the scenes on the history and making of some of the most popular rides in Disneyland and Disney World. And then Outer Banks season two premiered on Netflix and I, it's the show I shouldn't love that I do. So I've been watching that. And then I've been watching Ted Lasso season two and Schmrigadoon on Apple TV plus. Uh, so I've, I've temporarily fallen off the animated Disney wagon. I'm going to hop back on, um, but I think I needed just a little bit of a break. But don't worry, we have Tangled coming on Friday, um, and I'm excited to talk to you about that one, too. But that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. Season one is almost done. We've got Tangled and then The Black Cauldron because that was one requested by one of the listeners. Emily, thank you so much for listening and requesting. No, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to another wonderful Emily who is also a librarian, Emily. Uh, so thank you for listening. But we're going to talk about The Black Cauldron and then I'm going to do a wrap-up episode tell you a little bit more about how I'm feeling, how this went. Um, well, what I will definitely watch again, some things that I think are kind of overrated and underrated. It's going to be a fun wrap up conversation. So then we'll, then we'll tackle season two. I, I still don't know what it's going to be. I'm, I'm putting all of that together and I'm excited to, to try another topic and continue to talk to you guys. Um, and if you have any suggestions that of things you would like me to talk about and dive into, uh, let me know. Just send me a note. You can follow me. Look at that segue. See how I'm getting a little better. On Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you later. Bye.